kind of spoiled by it. This is Steph, the educator, and I just want to welcome you to the um, Essential Pedagogy podcast. Um, this podcast was uh, developed because really a ministry. Um, I was inspired to get into education and um, get back into education after leaving. And um, the woman I'm about to introduce you to is one of the reasons why I'm back in the classroom. But I want to talk to you guys about what my hope is for this podcast. It, my hope is to, as a result of you listening to this podcast, that people within my profession and outside of my profession gain compassion for one another by getting an inside, close-up view of the complex structure of education in America. So um, I came up with the... Um, Essential pedagogy name because um, essential educator was taken. I know it's it's a, got a great ring ring to it, but I trademarked the name because I was just that serious about this podcast. Um, but pedagogy is um, much less known, so I decided I would go with that. And pedagogy means um, the study and act of teaching. So. Um, Without further ado, I want to introduce to you a very special guest of mine that I've been really trying to get her to join me on the podcast for a while now. Um, her name is Meredith Gonzalez, and I really, really appreciate her. Um, I got to know the Gonzalez's over the pandemic <clears throat> uh, when I decided to really leave education. Um, I was helping different friends uh, during virtual learning. And um, I, one of my church members knew I was doing that. And um, I guess a friend told a friend and that's how Meredith got in touch with me. And I decided to, to tutor her daughter at first. And then I ended up tutoring both of her children. And um, it was such a joy to have uh, her children in my life and, and her family really. Um, when we started the tutoring sessions, it was, um, you know, children were virtual, but I came in person. And I remember you were very uh, nervous about whether I was vaccinated and um, very careful about who you brought into your home, which I completely understand. It was a very, um, you know, just, just unsteady and um, just tricky time in our lives. Um, it's still pretty tricky, you know. Um, we don't know what's going to happen, but we are pretty confident that, you know, we got a handle on, you know, what to do now. Um, so um, when I started, um, there were lots of questions. I felt like I was in a, on an interview when I first met you. <laughs> I was like, okay, what should I say? I'm going to bring my resume. 
<laughs> and everything. I, I don't even know why I took it so like like that, but it made me realize that after about 18 years of um, doing something um, and learning and perfecting the craft, you really do become an expert and you don't, you take it for granted. Um, all the things that you know about a certain genre of life, right? Um, so the, a, a lot of things and a lot of questions you had for me uh, about the education system, um, I was like, oh, it's no brainer. <laughs> you know, it's, oh, it's just this, right? It's just that. Like, um, but I, it made me realize that everyday people who are not in my profession. I mean, we have lots of lingo, lots of um, acronyms that people just don't know what they mean, why we have them, you know, what's regulated by law and, you know, um, where our time is allocated. So, um, you know, I, I feel like it was eye opener on both sides. I brought Meredith because I feel like um, many more parents could learn from um, just Meredith and her husband's uh, learning style, um, uh, not learning style, but their, their parenting style with their children. Um, they had so many things that I observed, you know, being in someone's home is very intimate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, uh, I found that I was in a situation where she was like, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, you're in your home. <laughs> you need to be comfortable. Um, don't worry about it. And she's like, I'm sorry about the dog. I'm sorry about this, you know? And I'm like, no, don't worry. Um, but I feel like, and I told uh, Meredith yesterday that she's a stellar parent. There are a lot of things I observed in her home that I was like, well, doggone, you know, my son is in his twenties, but maybe I should have done that. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I should have paid more attention to this. And it's a really good thing. And a lot of things you did um, and do are very reinforcing Thank to um, having a good education um, foundation for your children. So let's talk about some of these things. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> All right. So um, some of the things I observed in your home is that, you know, you are a reader and you require your children to read to you out loud. Um, and this is not just sometimes, but in all stages of their schooling, um, you control their diets. And, I, you know, we all could do better about what we eat and what we put in our bodies as far as food is concerned, especially when we're on the go. But, I mean, I observe you control sugar with your children. Um, you control screen time. Just so many things. And I just want to know, like, um, and have you share with the audience, like, where did all this come from? Where did the know-how or want to come from and how you raise your children? You know, I, that's a good question. And I don't know if I have a, you know, one thing answer. 
I think it's many things. I just, you know, I want to raise good humans. I want to raise children who are self-sufficient, who, um, you know, are going to grow up to be able to support themselves and be happy, whatever they end up doing and being, I just want them to be happy. Um, you know, fitness and health and good diet probably was not a part of mine and my husband's life growing up. And, you know, when you look at some of our genetics, my kids are not in the best position given some of their um, family history. So it's really important to us to try to, um, you know, not reverse, but um, they need to be aware. And so from a diet perspective, we just try to teach them, you know, not from any kind of looks perspective uh, or weight, but from a healthy you know, we eat certain things because they help our brain, they help fuel our muscles, they give us energy um, so that they can understand and, and make those choices. And it's like if they're asking for cake or candy all day long to kind of stop and think, um, well, what did I have earlier in the day? So we don't, you know, when you say I control it, um, I don't want people to think like, you know, we're so rigid because there are definitely days and even weeks we could and should have been better. But um, it's just trying to teach them early about a healthy lifestyle and a healthy pattern, because I really believe if you feel good about yourself and you have your the energy, it just makes you overall happier. Um, and I just, I just want to set them up for success. I don't want them to be on medicines um, if they don't need to be for their whole life, if it's something we could have taught them um, to be mindful of. Yeah. I I noticed that, you know, and part of the controlling, what I noticed in your house is that, you know, your children will always, if they were having a snack or or what have you, they always offered me something. And I'm like, no, thank you, baby. That's that's great. Or sometimes, you know, I was really hungry. You're very good about that, I guess. <laughs> you know, we had we developed a relationship where I was like, okay, I'm having lunch. <laughs> but um what I did notice is that, you know, when they poured themselves something to drink, they're very mindful about, like, let's pour half water and half of the juice. And yeah. I was like, wow, you know, if you don't ever get a child's palate used to a certain amount of sugar, because, you know, sugar is addicting. Oh, yes. I know. I know. <laughs> very addicting. Um, then... I mean, they they can thrive off of, you know, half water, half, you know, sugary drink. And um, I thought that was and they did this with you not being there. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was self-regulated. That means that they were taught about, you know, you know, sugar, I, what it does. To and me. I think it's just because we talk to them, you know, I mean, we're open with them. We explain the reasons um, and again, trying to do it more about fueling our, taking care of our bodies mm -hmm. so that when they're 30, 40, et cetera, and why, um, rather than, you know, you just can't have that. It's not good for you, but trying to get them to really understand. Um, and yeah. I think that will just kind of sit with them. And I've seen a couple questions come up. So my kids are eight and 10, third and fifth grade, and I am not a stay at home mom. I work full time, sometimes more than 40 hours. Um, and it's just from like the food or meal prep. I mean, I spend time Saturdays or Sundays planning out my meals and 
Like I just try to be, you know, mindful of like balancing it all. And I was telling Stephanie the other day, it's a journey because not every day is going to be great. There's going to be days they just eat crap. <laughs> um, but, you know, if I look at it kind of over the week, over the month, um, you know, that's what's helpful. Yeah. And I will tell you how it's very supportive in um, education. When your children are fueled by protein and wholesome foods, vegetables and fruits, then that helps for a healthy foundation for learning. When uh, children are constantly on up high and lows from crashing on, you know, hot Cheetos all day, or um, just very, very unhealthy uh, eating, then it makes for hard classroom management when you have more than about 20, you, you have, yeah. you know, 27 children and you have more than half of them dealing with, you know, bad diets. Um, this year was the first year that uh, I had children who got letters from, the nurse um, yeah. talking about cholesterol. I, you and, know, yeah, it's yeah, hard. I mean, when we take my daughter, the doctor said, oh, like her cholesterol, I don't, I guess it was a little high and mm -hmm. told us she should be taking fish oil. So I'm like, oh, like the family hates eating salmon, but every, just about every Sunday night, about 90% of the Sundays we're eating salmon. And yeah. I said, is that, or she's like, you know, she could potentially be a medicine for the rest of her life. And I don't, yeah. I don't want that if we yeah. can prevent it. Yeah. I had a student who got a letter it was addressed to his parents, but he opened it. <laughs> He's a seventh grader. He opened it and he said, Miss Powell, what does this mean? Like he couldn't interpret it, right? right? And I think he kind of knew because he knew the word diabetes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the nurse couldn't say he was diabetic, but that he was in danger. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, with because of his weight, um, his body, yeah. BMX, BMI, BMI. Yeah history of that and we're trying to you know prevent our kids you know slow the process and maybe for their kids it can be reversed yeah so i was a little uncomfortable but you know he said miss Powell, what does this mean and i was like well it means that you know do you know what diabetes mean and he says yes i have family you know so and so my grandmother died of diabetes i was like oh my well you know it says that you're at risk it doesn't say that you have it you're at risk and you can control some of the things about being on medication because if you control your diet and eating a real healthy diet um, full of vegetables and fruits and, and things like that, then you can, you know, try to avoid that in your life. And he was like, okay, all right. He was very, very upset. And then I've had a student to be out because every three months she has to check her cholesterol because, yeah. yeah. It's it's that bad. So um, kind of, people don't know that that is very important. In it is. And I mean, that's one thing. Um, my kids have only gone to elementary school here, so I don't have a comparison. Yeah, you're but from California, California, right? <laughs> you're from California, but right um, before my daughter, my older, my oldest went into kindergarten. But one thing I was very impressed with with the schools was they have a health and wellness class. So they're learning about like body parts and like mindful breathing. And I was just so, I just thought, wow, you know, it's and the whole child and they have PE twice a week. 
mm-hmm. um, which I think I remember only having it once. And so I've just been very impressed and pleased with how they really try to take care of the whole child, mm-hmm. um, you know, the social, the mental, the emotional, as well as the learning, because I feel like that all kind of, you know, goes together. Mm-hmm. It does. Um, speaking of the whole child, um, I did notice that you control screen time with your children. <laughs> not I try. Yet. I'm not always successful, but we try. I think my eight-year-old's on it now. Just so I can- <laughs> well, yeah. I he earned it. You know, he did his work and he, he did his, like, you know. Football. Yeah, and I know it was a struggle with the younger one more than <laughs> the older one, but uh, I, you do, uh, and they're mindful that there should be boundaries. Lots of children don't know that there should be. Mm-hmm. Um, boundaries with uh, internet, with watching television, things like that. I think that's very healthy. And I think it's, um, I think there are, are, are children that are developing um, addictions to yeah. the screen and checking on things and yeah. It's that instant gratification. Yeah. And, you know, like that, I don't know, they're not, it's no, not a connection with anyone. So I don't know what the draw is. I think it's just these quick, you know, they grab their attention real quick. And I think that's, I mean, I see it in myself, right? Mm-hmm. All this, you know, um, access to all the media and, and um, you know, it's just kind of taking our focus away and, I think what it is for me is I see my kids, you know, enjoy doing art and creative stuff, but it's so easy for them to get sucked in once they're on the screen or they're watching uh, a TV show or on the iPad and we're trying to talk to them and it's like, I'm not there or they just block everything else. And that just got a little bit alarming for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then realizing, okay, they're watching kid shows, but then these kid shows are using stupid idiot, just, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. things that the age my kids were can't really process the correct context or when it's appropriate or not appropriate to, to say those or in what context. And mm-hmm. that just kind of concerned me a little bit. And, um, you know, I'm working. Yeah. So I can't always like be right there. So we had to really kind of try to create some rules. And we felt like those rules as to what they had to do before they could watch screen time, or they couldn't watch screen time before a certain time. I mean, it changes. Mm-hmm. As our life changes, we kind of shift what the rules are, but it gives them like that expectation. So they know what to expect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and you know like you said kind of what their boundary is mm-hmm. like right yeah. now we recently shifted our screen time so you can't watch it before eight o'clock at night on a mm-hmm. school night okay but your lunch for the next day has to be made your homework has to be done and you have to be showered mm. we're gonna get back to that chores i like that but um with that screen time what i noticed years ago I noticed that sarcasm from children went way up. That was before COVID, before. And, you know, I I started watching what my children were watching. And I was like, 
this Disney show is not real. <laughs> you know what I'm like? Right, right. It's not real life. These people are pretending that they're in class and they're talking all kinds of way to adults. Mm -hmm. And so our children are learning. That's how you speak to adults. Yeah. They, they can't like, separate that real life, not real life. Yeah. And, and, and it's, you, you know, they make it funny. So when it's funny, the children assume that it's appropriate and it's not always appropriate. Right. So um, I, I'm really fond of you and your family about that. I, I noticed that years ago. Um, but you talked about you honor your children's work in art, which mm -hmm. I, I, I recognize that because I saw it in all over the place, <laughs> you know, especially in the uh, kitchen area and things like that. I mean, I think that that shows a child that you are interested in them and what they can do. Um, and, and how they do it and that you appreciate them as, as a person mm -hmm. when you put their things up and you, you know, I used to frame my children's work and I would, um, have it out when, when people come over and they asked about it. I was like, you know, that was when Evan was such and such age and he created this painting then. And so I admired that in your household that you did that, um, I really think it builds something in a child, a confidence that cannot be taken away. I agree. I think it just reinforces, you know, in a nonverbal way, you're proud of them. You, um, you know, like you said, take an interest in what they do. Um, it just builds their confidence because you're wanting to show it off and you're just proud of it. And, um, you know, I recognize the hard work or the time they put into it. I mean, I want them to be proud of their work and feel good about, you know, their work. And I think that's you know, really what it is. I'm kind of like, sometimes I look around, like right now I'm sitting at a desk covered in like my daughter's summer camp projects and this. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like a borderline hoarder, but I just can't get rid of somebody. <laughs> I mean, like that they worked so hard on it. I like, know. Creative. <laughs> They brought it home and we're so proud and excited about it. Yeah. Uh, what I, do, I admire also is that you keep up with the school calendar um, and you would all often share it with me. And so I know what was going on and you participate in their activities. But that calendar, whew, let me tell you how many calendars I got. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that's hard. And, and, Dealing with a, a school calendar as an outsider from um, it, outsider of the teaching community, man, I can barely keep up with the calendar inside, right? <laughs> so I just know that is such a hard thing for today's parents. How do you how do you keep up with it all? What do you do? I mean, like I got two calendars. I have the one on my phone, which is shared with my husband. So he can't say I didn't know. Um, <laughs> he has access to it. Um, I have a written calendar. I just ha have to look at it and um, I've kind of gotten away from it. But I would try every Sunday evenings, you know, sit down, update the calendar for the week. Um, but I just I guess I make it a priority because. I want my kids to have a sense of community and a sense of belonging. 
and they really love their school and their teachers. And so, you know, whenever there's some kind of, you know, event that they, you know, do in the evening or a book fair or a family fitness night, it's, they get a lot of joy from attending those things. And so I make it a priority. And I think it's important from a parent perspective just to be seen, um, be, you know, observe what's going on, um, be able to meet their friends or the family of their friends, because I think it's important to, to know, you know, kind of who your kids are hanging around and mm-hmm. um, start to form those um relationship friendships aware relationship right that's that's a better word mm-hmm. um and i think that's really helped them even though they were each away from school for a year because we kept them virtual for first and third grade mm-hmm. um, because of covid it was an option um but uh i just and i make it a priority yeah and so we talked a little bit about you having routines and um, you build rules and boundaries around um, the screen time. But let's talk more about the routines you've built for your children that supports adequate sleep and um, just the culture of making education important. Um, so probably before COVID, there was really no routine. I mean, they were probably going to bed at like 930 as like a kindergartner, um, <laughs> I remember going to the doctor and the doctor's like, so they get like 10 or 11 hours of sleep or 11 or 12. I'm like, mm, eight or nine. She's like, oh, okay. And I thought, oh no, I gotta, okay. I gotta change it. Um, Cause you know, when you look at those schedules, I thought, oh, we are definitely not hitting that at this age. They should be getting this much sleep. Um, you know, COVID time when they were virtual was probably more loosey goosey, but now I try really hard we are up to bed at 8.30, but they, they've already been showered. So at 8.30, we're getting into bed. Mm-hmm. There's all tactics for sure, um, but I call it a win if by 9 o'clock they are actively, you know, yeah, trying to go to sleep. But and we, I um, always go up, lay with them. Yeah. Sometimes that leads to some chit-chatting, but I just – want them to take their best self. I come from a history of teachers. My mom was a teacher. My grandmother was a teacher. And so I think seeing my mom, how much of her own time and money and just, you know, blood, sweat and tears you put into the classroom and to the kids. And she at one point worked in a very disadvantaged school. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just feel like it's my obligation you know, to whatever I can do to make my kids' teachers' lives easier, but set my kids up for success mm-hmm. is, that's my obligation as a parent. Really. Yeah, that's sweet. Um, you know, I feel like you model respect and you explicitly teach your children that when they are wrong, that they're not bad people, but they ought to apologize, right? Um, And I I really admire that about you and your family. Um, Now, I don't believe um, a lot of people in this day um, explicitly teach children how to apologize and, um, and how to approach the whole, you know, I did something not so great. It doesn't mean I'm not a great person. 
<laughs> it just means that I, you know, we're human. Um, and sometimes we do things just not so great and that we have to apologize for that. I think mm -hmm. that's a great trait to have in the schools because we're seeing so much bullying, bullying and um, just um, us dishonoring one another. Right. Yeah, I agree 100% with that. It's, yeah. it's, it's really sad. How, how do you teach your children? Um, you know, there, I've experienced it firsthand where you made, you made them do a video apology, sent it to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, what is your conversation with your children when you talk about um, when they do things that's just not, you know, so appealing or that they just downright didn't do the right thing? Well, I mean, I really have to give my husband the credit for the whole like instilling the apologizing and not just saying I'm sorry, but acknowledging what you're sorry for mm -hmm. so they can understand. But I try to tell the kids, you know, people not, might not always remember what you do, what you did, what you said, but they're always going to remember how you make them feel. I'm really trying to um, just, you know, make them aware of like, we want to build people up. We want to make people feel good. Um, you know, everyone deserves respect. If you don't like or care for someone, you still need to be kind to them. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. It is. You know, but um, so we talk to them. So like, <laughs> I can't, I, I remember make, making them make you videos to apologize <laughs> for something they did. I can't remember what they were, but. I don't even need Okay, you know, Miss Powell takes time. She comes out here to work with you and to help you. And when you, you know, do this, how do you think that makes her feel? Or, you know, mm -hmm. she put time into preparing this for you. Um, so we just. I don't know. I guess I just, we just try to get them to think about how the other person feels. And it's kind of hard sometimes with them right now because they may have done something wrong or hurt someone's feelings without intending to do that. And yeah. so it's trying to teach them too. Sometimes if we apologize, it's not that um, you intended to do something wrong. You know, but someone still felt that so way. Yeah. You know I mean? So it's that's kind of like the struggle right now. We're like, why well, didn't mean to do it? It's like, what's well, okay if it was an accident? We still say we're sorry. Yeah. Because whether we intentionally or unintentionally did something, it hurt somebody. Yeah. So that just brings me to um, you teach your children kindness directly. You also teach them tolerance. You know, you are in a multicultural relationship with your husband. Mm -hmm. And so that just helps with, and you guys are very, you guys travel internationally. So you see how different people um, live in different parts of the world. And so I feel like that helps your children in the classroom deal with other children. Mm -hmm. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, we just, I think, since they were young, you know, we always included them. If we had our friends over, you know, they pretty much went everywhere with us. So I think, you know, they probably from an early age also were comfortable around adults and having conversations with adults. Um, and I think that and we had, a, you know, a very diverse friend group 
you know, that we expose them to. And so I think it's just kind of natural. Yeah, I think it is very natural. I mean, when I had my hair in braids at your house and Mariella wanted <laughs> Yeah, wanted her hair braided. I was oh, like, she's done it several oh. times since then. <laughs> Come on, I'll braid your hair. Um, so I, I just, you know, we're running out of time. We've run out of time. But this could really be a part two. You know, I got so <laughs> many more things on the list. Um, you are, like I said, you're a very, you're a stellar parent. You and Thank you. We need to hear that sometimes. I know. And I, no one's perfect, but you, you have your attributes. And I think your children are going to go far. I think they're going to be very successful in our education system or any system that they choose to be a part of. I really do. Thank and, you. Um, I'm just thankful that you, you came on the show today and I really appreciate you so much. Thank you. I'm so glad that we found you. Appreciate you. Parents like you. I really do. Thank you. Thank you so much. You were a blessing to us. I can't. Oh, very Thank you. Without you. Well, guys, this is the show. My goodness, 30 minutes go by really, really fast. And I just want to thank again our our guests. Meredith, and mm -hmm. we will have another show for you in a, in two weeks, and hopefully we'll pick up our finances um, series when we come back. And I really want to talk to an administrator to talk about the earmarks in education and what where things um, where they see money going to in the future and how um, money has to be spent. Um, and public education. So um, stay tuned for that. I'm working on a couple of administrators to talk to me about that. But until next time, we'll see you later. Thank you for watching the or listening to um, Essential Pedagogy. Thanks. <laughs>